My job today is to teach the opening sermon in this series, and our title is Our Family Blueprint. Our Family Blueprint. Our Family Blueprint. What is a blueprint? Literally, literally the word blueprint came up because it was easier to print on blue paper in white. It was easier to copy and easier for people to read when they were putting something together. But a blueprint is simply a guide for making something. It's a design or pattern that can be followed. A blueprint is something that you write and it becomes your guide. It becomes something you can look at and now you can tell exactly what you're doing. It doesn't necessarily change from day to day. That blueprint, that blueprint, whether it's for your family, for your business, or for getting in shape, or getting your life mentally together or psychologically together, Anytime you see a doctor, anytime you see a counselor, anytime you see someone that's going to build your house, anytime you go to someone for something, a financial planner, they are there to help you build a blueprint. And once you get that blueprint, it's not something you throw in the closet or throw away. It is something that you use to continue building. You use your blueprint to say, this is the design. This is what we're going to be making, and this is how it's going to look. Now, back in the day, it was all one-dimensional, all on paper. Now, they can literally build your house. They can literally build your house online. It can, you can see it in three, four, five dimensions. You can actually take a journey through what you're building before it's built, giving you vision and giving you power, giving you, well, I don't like that. Change this. Move this around. You can start moving things, but you can't move stuff until you have a blueprint. Am I making sense? Okay, so now, why does my family need a blueprint? My family needs a blueprint because if I don't have one, I will go with the flow. I will do what every other family is doing that's not even successful. It's not even working for them. I need a blueprint for four reasons. I need a blueprint... So I can clarify my vision with my family. What's our vision? Not what is the Joneses' vision. What is the vision for our house? Vision. What do we see? What do we see as a family? What do we, what do we see as a family? So I need to clarify vision. Because when I, know, when I know what the future of my family looks like, it makes it more likely to get there. If I can write it down on paper then I can eventually see it with my eyes and I can eventually hold it in my hands. When I meet with people anytime, I ask them to show me a list of their goals. And when they start telling me, I ask them, where is it written? If your goals aren't written, they're least likely to happen. They need to be written down. So likewise for your family, you need to clarify vision. That's why you need a blueprint. Number two, you need a blueprint for your family to keep track of your progress. To keep track of it, you need a blueprint. Everybody's writing. I see the tops of everybody's heads. You, 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 need, to be able to, you need to be able to go to some place and now say, this is what we've gotten done. This is what we need to get done. This is where we are. You don't want to build your family and be married 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. Do we have any 50-year marriages in here today? Okay. Almost 50, right? 
53? Oh, I'm sorry. Where that's, where that's at? Oh, you're hiding behind Bernadette there. Couldn't see you there, Sister Lee. 53 years for the Lees. Praise the name of Jesus. Anybody working on 53? Oh, no, Pastor. We're trying to make it. Okay. This, this blueprint now is able to show you your progress because you will always know where you are. The third reason is because of design. You need a blueprint for your family because you need to see and understand your design. Design. You don't want to be married 30, 40, 50 years and walk into your house and say, I wanted a basement. Why won't we have a basement? It wasn't in the blueprint. I wanted to be wealthy. Well, it wasn't in your blueprint. I wanted all my children to go to college, but they didn't. Well, it wasn't in your blueprint. You don't start fussing at them at 15 and 16 about going to school. It's at two, three, four, five years old, months old. You say, when you go to school. When you go to college. When you get married, it's not if. So these are all blueprints. It's something that the whole family can go and look at and say, and the children can argue when mom and dad aren't there. Mom wants us all to go to school. I'm not feeling that today. Well, mom don't care whether you feel it or not. Eventually, you'll get there. Eventually, you get there, but at least you know what the plan is. I don't care about my children talking about me. I just like them talking about the truth. Daddy's hard. Well, if that's true, daddy has a plan. Let me show you. Daddy's not just being hard. Daddy's not just being unadjustable, unamenable. Is that a word? This is why daddy's like this. Let's go look at that refrigerator. See, this here is our vision. Oh, Lord, get your head up. This right here is our vision. <laughs> this is where we're going. So whenever I talk to you about something, it's because I see what I believe God wants to do in our family. And I would not be talking to you and it wouldn't be up here if mom didn't agree with it. So the last thing we do when we don't agree, we don't argue about what we disagree about in front of the children. Because in their real insolent ears, they'll use anything you give them as weapons. Nobody's going to say nothing about that. The fourth reason you need a family blueprint, it becomes a rallying point. It becomes a place where we come together. It becomes a place where we as a family can look at it and say, that's our blueprint. It also allows others to help us. If there are people on the outside of our family that wants to help us, they know what our blueprint is. They know what our vision is. They know what we desire. They know what's on our hearts. If a financial planner, if I can give him our, if I can give him, I'm getting, I'm getting ready for First Fruit Series next month, but, but if I can give him the hope and the dream for our family financially, then he can now make a blueprint for us to get us there. If we obey, if I go to someone like I did Dr. Monroe and I said, Dr. Monroe, I love my wife. She loves me, but I see something in you and Pastor Ruth I haven't seen. And I want that in my family. I want that in my marriage. And so instantly in three to five minutes, they gave us a list of what they do. How could they do that so quickly? They had a blueprint. They knew what they wanted for their family. What do you want for your family? I'd be willing to guarantee that you have a dream for your family that it's so big you're afraid to talk about it. 
that there may be so much water under the bridge and so much spilled milk, you're wondering if you could ever get there. And I'm telling you, 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 I'm telling you because I know. And I'm telling you because I've seen it. I'm telling you because I've sat people who went through it, that God can bring your family back from the brink. Your family cannot have a pulse or a heartbeat or an EKG, and God can give it life again. I'm telling you what I know. In the middle of the night, God can raise your family up. In, the, in an instant, God can have you meet the right person. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. I'm telling you, girl, if you're 85, keep going to the gym. Because one day you're going to be in the gym and that dude going to be in there pumping. He's about 72. He's going to be like, where you been all my life? It happens. I'm not going to say what was, what was in my head. So what is a family blueprint then? What, what is it? You know why you need it. Now what is it? It's simply, it's simply getting your family together over this month and having discussions. And your discussions are going to be around your values, your morals, your beliefs. Your family's going to literally be able to tell if you haven't already done this. And if you've done it, do it again. It won't hurt. It won't hurt. Your family's going to be able to know why the family exists. Why does our family exist? If the Williams family was not here, would the world miss us? And that's an answer that, that, that's, that's rhetorical. That's not a question you ask outside your family. Because you ask some people, they don't care nothing about you. Leave that to them. Let people be ignorant. Don't spend much time on it. Because everybody's got something to say about you. And the problem is they don't want to look at them themselves. Okay? So keep your heart at your house. Don't go down the street in someone else's house. Don't compare yourself to anyone else's marriage, anyone else's family, anyone else's car. Keep it at home. Are y'all all right? Keep it right here. Keep it right here. Keep it right here. Don't move to the side. Don't, keep your, don't, look, don't look at anyone else. Don't look at anyone else's marriage. And every man that's belong to somebody else, you think he's a good man, you be like Walter. Well, you don't know what Walter's like at home. I want a wife like Sadie. Well, what, what kind of woman is she when she's not around you? So you're going to find out and know why your family exists. What's the destination of your family? What is the purpose for your family? You're going to find out why your family is here, the significance, the importance of why your family deserves your attention, why it deserves your renewed attention. Maybe there's been some years that have passed, and now we're saying that's just the way it is. Well, maybe it's not just the way it is. Maybe there are ways to make our families better. Maybe there are ways to raise our children differently. Maybe there's something I can learn instead of using the belt all the time. There might be something, another way I can reach my kids. Maybe it's okay. Maybe, <laughs> uh-uh, pastor's good enough for my mama. I'm going to whip him. Okay, fine. But what else are you going to do? 
There is absolutely no way, and I've learned, not the hard way, I watched other people, there's no way to coerce my children into being something they don't want to be. I can't make them my dream. I have to accept them that God put them here and me and my wife were just conduits to bring them here. But that they really belong to him. Right? Okay. So now let me give you a few scriptures. As as you're turning to Psalm 24, we're going to read all these in the Message Bible and then I'm going to give you a few points today. So here we go. I talk to people all the time And they don't have a blueprint. And I'm honestly, uh, as, as, can I confess? Can I confess? Can can I confess? I lived my life going to ask people who knew. And whatever they told me to do, I did. A lot of times it wasn't what I wanted to do. But because they knew how to do it and had some proof of doing it, I just did what they said, even reluctantly. Just did it. I'm amazed at people. Okay. I I am. I am. I'm, I'm amazed at people who don't know what they're doing. They come from a family that don't know what they're doing. And they won't listen to anybody who knows what they're doing. Put this in your notes. Put this. I said put it in your notes. Well, I ain't got no notes. Get some right on the bottom of your shoe. Get a pen. Put it in your palm of your hand. Don't marry anybody that don't know what they're doing and they won't listen to nobody. I'm amazed. It's amazing to me how many people will say, I know what I'm doing. Where'd you get that from? Well, I just believe I heard from God. I read a book. When it comes to your family, okay, let me go back a minute. Dr. Monroe said these words. I was going to play him before, but it's like, I'll, you know, I'll just say it. Dr. Monroe said, you go to a place and your city has a place called licenses. It's a license, a license to build something. You need a license to drive a car. You need a license to get married. Now, when you go to the city and you say, I want a license, I want a license to drive, your teenager. He's a license to drive. What happens? They do what? They don't test you first. They train you. They want you to read. They want you to understand. Because they know in their streets are people who are going to depend on whether you can drive. So they're going to test you. They're going to make sure you learn. Then they're going to test you. They're going to test if you can see. They're going to test if you can listen. They're going to test if you can parallel park. 
Because if you don't know how to use your mirrors, you're going to run over Sadie Mae and her little two-year-old in the stroller. So their streets are important to them. You go to the same place down the hall and you ask for a marriage license. Do you know what they ask you now? Nothing. Here I come. They don't ask you if you're getting ready to marry your cousin. They don't ask you if you know how to drive a family. They don't ask you if you love your country. So they care more about our streets than they do about our neighborhoods. Because let me tell you something. Everybody in this city is affected by your family. Do you know you're paying high taxes now just because of the uptick in divorce? You are. They don't even ask, they don't even ask, are you marrying your sister now? So, I'm encouraging you, I'm encouraging you, don't try to build something until you get the blueprint. And simply put, the blueprint, all of it, is in the Word of God. Everything you need to build your family is in the Word of God. So let's just read a couple of these scriptures. We'll read them in the Message Bible. You may have the New King James Version, but we'll read them this, this way just, to, just for understanding. I have a few of them for you. Let's read this one. Let's read it out loud. It takes wisdom. Oh, don't put it up. Let's read it together. It takes wisdom to build a house and understanding to set it on a firm foundation. It takes knowledge to furnish its rooms with so according, according, to, according to Solomon, Solomon says it takes wisdom, it takes understanding, and it takes knowledge to build a family. There is no love in here. Love will not keep your marriage together. Well, I love her. I understand. But do you understand her? Do you know it takes... Un- okay. Okay, I got to get past some of my barriers. It takes understanding to live in a house with me. It, 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 it takes wisdom for her to stay in a house with me. It takes knowledge. I, I can't be ignorant in some areas when I deal with her. I can't be in this place where I don't know. I have to know how her body works. And I can't get mad when her body is working right. Y'all going to do this to me during family series? I can't be mad because her body is functioning correctly. Because that's the only way I'll have children. If I don't have wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, there's going to be issues. Let me move on. Joshua Joshua 24, 15 says... Joshua 24, 15 says, if you decide that it is a bad thing to worship God, then choose 
then choose a God you'd rather serve and do it today. Choose one of the gods of your ancestors, one of the ones your ancestors worshipped from the country beyond the river or one of the gods of the Amorites on whose land you are now living. Choose a god of the culture you're in if you want. But for me, but for me in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You do what you want. You can serve this new age God. You can serve all this other stuff. You can serve the God from the country you move from. It doesn't matter to me traditionally and culturally. But as far as me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That's who we're serving. I'm a church boy. I'm a God man. Whether I'm pastoring here or not, I'm a church boy. I believe in the house of God. I want to hear the word. I want to read the word every day. I want, to, I want to have the word sung to me. I want someone to preach the word to me. I'm a church boy. I want someone to stand in the pulpit wherever I'm going to church, and I want them to tell me the truth. I don't want to be petted. I'm not a dog. I'm trying to build something real in my family, not just a hangout family. Matthew 7, 24 through 27 says, these words I speak to you, they are not incidental uh, or additions to your life. Homeowner improvements to your, your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who builds his house on a solid rock. Rain poured down, the rivers flooded, and tornadoes hit the house. But nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just see my words in the Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a carpenter who built his house on the sandy beaches. And what happened? When a storm rolled in and the waves came, what did it do? So we build our families on solid rock. The word of God, the wisdom of God that comes from his book. Still with me? Habakkuk 2 and 2. I just want these for your Bible study when you're there at home with your family. And then God answered, write this. Write what you see. This is what we're going to have at the end of our month. We're going to write what we see. Write what you see. Write it out in big block letters so that it can be read on the run. When your children are running by the refrigerator or running by the mirror or going to school, they'll be able to see the family vision. As you're going in and out to whatever you're going, to work or to uh, uh, ball games or to functions anywhere else, you'll be able to go right by and see the vision. R write it in big block letters, make it a showcase so that people can see it on the run. This vision message is a witness pointing to what's coming. So you may not be there yet, but that vision is going to show you what's coming. It aches for the coming, and it can hardly wait. It does not lie. If it seems slow in coming, wait. It's going to happen. Just keep that vision in front of you. Still there? Okay, two more. Genesis 2, 23. These are scriptures for you. Write them down. Genesis 2.23, it says, The man said, finally, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, name her woman. 
for she was made for man. Therefore, a man leaves his father and mother and embraces his wife. They become one flesh. The two of them, the man and his wife, were naked, but they felt no shame. Two people who are totally open to one another, not just physically naked, emotionally naked, psychologically naked. They revealed themselves to one another. This is the perfect harmony with you and your spouse, that when you know one another and still love one another. Powerful. Does that make sense? Last scripture, Proverbs 19.21. Proverbs 19.21. We humans keep brainstorming options and plans. But God's purpose prevails. In other words, I might have a blueprint and a plan for my life. But before I launch it, I need to make sure I get the right advice. I want to make sure I have the right privileges. I want to make sure I have the right uh, permission. I want to make sure that this has been checked by the professionals. I want to make sure that God is in it. Am I making sense? All right. Now here, here, here's a list, here's a list of things that you need, and that's why this month is being put together. Here's a list of things you need as you're building your blueprint for your family. This is the list of things you need. What, what, I, what I have in my hand here, what I have in my hand here is the original plans for this building. These are archives that we'll, we'll pass on to our children. These are the original plans. This is $1.8 million of advice. Okay, okay. This is dated June 8th, 2007. When we bought the Walmart and let it sit for a year before we started to build. This is a comprehensive plan for where you're sitting. Where you're sitting right now was the electronic section of Walmart. This is where the TVs were, the boom boxes back in the day. <laughs> These plans turned it into what it is, and it was followed to the T and to the letter, or you'd have crooked walls. And in this plan are seven things. Number one, it's a transferable vision. It's transferable. I'm going to show you what that means. Number two, it shows a good foundation. Number three, in this plan, we picked our building material. I'm going to show you what these mean in just a moment. Write them down. Building material. Number four, in this plan is our construction techniques. Construction techniques. You'll need them for your family. Number five, in this plan is our plan of contingency. Contingency. Number six, 
in this plan is the name of the project manager who's in charge of this outfit. And number seven, right here on the front, are stamped from an architect, from city planning, and we have a building permit. So number seven is our final approval. Making sense? So watch this now. What do you need, number one? What is the vision for your family? What do you see at the end? When this family is built, what, do you, what would you like to see before you die? Before you die and then beyond, what's the vision for your family? And what you do? In every case that we've ever built something here, if you were part of our cleanup crew, if you were part of anyone that we were using for anything, you would walk in a room and you'd see a table like this. On that table in every room was our plans. Right here. This is another generation of plans right here. It has the same stamps. So now, if I wasn't here and an electrician came here to do some work, he wouldn't necessarily have to call me. He could go right over here because the plan is here for him to read. It's not ethereal. It's not, um, it's not nebulous. It's something I can wrap my hands around. What if there are people in the family doing stuff that makes you upset, but we've never talked about it? It's not in our plan. We've not discussed it. And when we get to an impasse where neither one of us agree, if we go and sit down with someone to help us, they're going to ask us, what's your plan? How do you want this to turn out? I'm telling you that surgeons would rather work with the person who has a plan to live than one who thinks they're going to die on the operating table. Families do better when they have plans. And you leave these plans out, page after page, 20 pages of plans. There's a page for construction, a page for the material we're going to use, a page for, a page for how tall the ceilings are, a page for the electricians, a page for the plumbers, a, a page for everyone. So that if they build something, you, do you know you have over, over $800,000 worth of plumbing in this building? Just plumbing. Women, your bathroom is worth $400,000. You don't see it, it's underground. But it's in the plan. And if a plumber would go in there and do something and it wasn't right, the building committee would ask them, did you look at our plans? Well, no, I just figured we did it like this down the street. We can't do it this way here. You've got to follow the plan. Now, children, we were all together when we made this plan. We made this plan we made this plan that we were going to save some money this year. This was our goal. This was our goal. So we're not, you said you were going to take care of those shoes for the next three months. That's what you told me now. Now you decided to go snow sledding in the shoes. Now they're ruined. Let me bring you over here. This is the plan. We're not buying new shoes till it's time to go to school. So guess what you got to do for the next few months? 
not in the blueprint. It's not in the blueprint, Martin, for you to get that car now. Well, the Lord can give me the money to buy it. Well, the Lord's money is not in our account right now. So, and now, Martin, let me take you to the plan. It's a blueprint. Everyone knows where everyone goes. Where is everybody? In case there's something happens, in case there's an accident, in case something's going on over there, we need to know where you are. You need to know where I am. That is transferable. Write it down in block letters so people can see it. Number two, what do you need? What do you need for this? You, you need a good foundation. Can I go back to transferable vision? When you go to people's houses, what do you notice when you walk in? You can talk to me. Okay, you notice whether it's clean, orderly, atmosphere, how it smells, how it, how it feels. Do you notice their rules? So some people are like, uh, when you walk in our house, you see right there, they have already planted some shoes next to the door, so you understand. You understand they don't wear shoes in their house. Other folks, you walk in, and because you don't wear shoes at your house, you ask, can we, wear, can we walk in with our shoes? Oh, yeah. That's how we run our house. Neither is bad, but you would not walk into someone's house that wants you to take off your shoes and act like you're at your own house. You would not be invited back. And if there's anybody of leadership in the house... They're going to help you understand. You, you need to take your shoes off. And if you don't take your shoes off, I've had this done before because I missed it once going to someone's house. The children came to me and said, Pastor Martin, can we take your shoes? <laughs> well, if I'd known y'all did that, I would have worn clean socks. So, but yes, go ahead and take my shoes. They were trained by their parents not to disrespect me but they were trained by their parents to make sure that I was cooperating and fitting into their blueprint for their family. That's all they were doing. So when people come into your space to support you, it's good that they know what you stand for and what you're believing for in your family. Okay, number two was what? You need a good foundation. You need a good foundation. You can't just build on something. So let me say, your foundations are your belief systems. What do you believe? Your foundation is your belief systems. What does your family believe? Not just about God. What does your family believe about marriage? What does your family believe about dating, courting, and getting married? What does your family believe about education? <clears throat> what does your family believe about money? What does your family believe about uh, uh, confidence, secrets? Who do we tell? What, what, what does your family really believe? Does your family believe in the God of gods and the Lord of lords and the King of kings? 
Or does your family have three or four gods that you represent because of the cultures there? I mean, what do you really believe? What are your belief systems? Because your belief systems become the foundation on which you build. And if your belief systems are not built on rock-solid God stuff, then when the wind comes, it's going to blow down. No one would build a million-dollar house on sand. I don't think. Because as soon as something happens, it will erode, it will fall apart, and the city will come and say to you, you can't live here. When the foundation, this building, there can be a crack in our foundation that's underneath the carpet, underneath the stage. And if they find it, they'll say, we know you got a beautiful building, but it's unusable. Because the foundation is cracked. Well, when the foundation is cracked in your home, when the foundations are not built on something solid, when the earthquakes come, it will begin to disintegrate. Am I right about it? Y'all awful quiet up in here. Well, how we doing? How y'all doing? How am I doing? Okay, okay. Give these notes to Josh. Maybe let him finish it up. Okay, number three, you need good building material. Your building material are your values. Your values, okay, so, 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 so check this out. Your foundation is your beliefs. It's what you build on. Your building material, your building material is your values. It's what you're going to use to build your dream. What do we value in our family? I'm unmarried. What do I value? I'm unmarried. I'm at, I'm at marrying age, and I'm prepared to get married. I'm prepared to get married. I'm divorced, but I'm also healed and ready to be married again, right? What are your values? Because when you start talking about values, you have to start thinking about counting the cost. Lord, have mercy, Jesus. When we bought this here building, <laughs> when we went to the professionals, Lord have mercy. And when they said it's going to cost you this much to get your plans, then you're going to need another three or so million to do all your build out. That does not include your furnishings. But God had told me we'd pay it off in 10 years. So when I looked at this, and I looked at all the estimates, I had to go home and count the cost. Before we put in, before we put one nail in the wall, before we order any carpet, before we do anything, I got to know, and I'm at my end right now, but I'll come back to it again. God, I got to know like David, have you given this building into my hands? I, I'll start it, God, but I want to hear from you. Will I finish it? I don't mind getting married. I'm going to tell you the truth. I was scared to get married. I'm telling you, I, was, I spoke in tongues. I love God, but I was so scared of marriage because I hadn't seen one that was worth the poop. <laughs> I hadn't been in the company of couples who loved one another. I hadn't seen it. And I'm like, man, this is crazy. 
These people are fighting at church and fighting in the parking lot. And the ones that seemed lovey-dovey just because I had to work starting at 8, I would go mow their grass and they weren't even sleeping in the same bedroom. I'm like, uh-uh, this ain't going to work. Me burning like I'm burning and I'll be married and can't do nothing. I said, no way. I can do this by myself at home by myself. <laughs> oh, y'all don't want to. <laughs> no, this is not, this is not, this is not going to. This is not going to work for me. You have to count up the cost. What is this going to cost me to be married? What is this going to cost me? I mean, you're married now, my brother. You got four kids. You can't drive the best car in the house. That's for your wife. That's why we don't want boys to marry girls. Everything that's the best in the house is hers. You want her to have the best car. You want her to eat the best food. You want her walking around in comfortable shoes. You want her to have comfortable clothes. You can't be mad at her because she doesn't look good. She needs to have time to go work out. She needs to have a place she feels comfortable to go work out. Well, I don't believe all that. Don't get married then because all the women is the same. I don't care. Listen, listen to me. I don't care if she black, white, green, yellow, chicken noodle soup from China, from Uruguay, from Australia, whatever that country is. It doesn't matter where she's from. She's the same. She likes good stuff. She likes to feel like she's good. And she wants to know you feel good about her. I don't care if she's speaking Chinese, Spanish, or Mandarin, I'm sorry. Mandarin, Spanish, I mean, Hangul, it doesn't matter what her language is. She wants the same thing. They all want the same thing. So you have to count up the cost. Am I ready for this? How much is this going to cost? Am I ready to pay the price? Have I evaluated my life? Don't miss Wednesday night. Don't miss. I'm there. I'm there on Wednesday night with pencil, pen, and highlighter because I got to learn. Not what is missing in my life, but I need to evaluate it. In my family, what needs work? What is it I need to work on? What do I need to spend time on? Not they, they did this. She did this. He's doing this to me. That's why my life is horrible. Let me tell you something. The person you're looking at in your marriage, Lord Jesus, they're just a reflection of you. They are your mirror. And whatever they're doing is because you built it in them to do that. So if you want them to change, guess who has to change? Lord, change my husband. Mm -mm. That's witchcraft. I said... That is witchcraft and manipulation. Lord, I'm praying for my husband. You're not praying for your husband. You're doing witchcraft. What y'all say over here? I heard you say something. Lord have mercy. Pat, listen. Don't ask God to change your children. Ask God to change you. 
Because the things you see change when you change how the things you see. As you change, they change. Where are we at? Number four, you need your construction techniques. We know what material we're using. I'll never forget this, I'll never forget this meeting. They said to us, you have to use this grade of steel. Uh, you know, I just figured we use wood two befores. But in the building downtown, they let us use two befores in some areas, save us some money. Here, they said the whole building has to be metal. Everything has to be metal. All the walls has to be metal. And I'm like, is there any way we can use two befores? They say, if, if you're in your sanctuary, you have exits. We're going to tell you where the exits are. You can't ask us where to put the exits. Well, we don't want a door there. We're not asking you. We're telling you, if you want a room there, we're going to tell you where the exits are. And we're going to put lights above them. We're going to choose the lights. You can't choose them. And if, they, if there's a fire in this room, we want the fire to be delayed by three to five minutes. And the only way we can do that is make sure there's metal in the walls. So now they're telling us what our material has to be. Then they're going to tell us how the technique at putting it together. You have to use these screws to put this metal together. This is not just build a family. This is not just, this is the building material. This is, this is how you construct it. Is it going to be wood, your family? Is it going to be metal? Will it be a prefab building that you just buy a metal building, bring it on your site, and after a few months you dress it up? How are you going to do it in phases? You got to build $10 billion worth of building. How are you going to do it? We're going to do it in eight phases. These are techniques. Techniques. You got a vision for your family. You can't be driving everybody like a cattle drive. You want to be a millionaire family. You've been married three years. Come on, we got to do this right. It takes time. What is your technique? I told my wife, give me 50 years and I'll probably become the husband you want. Keep working on me. Don't give up on me. Speak to me plainly. I'm not like you and your girlfriends. You can't make sign language and button and bat away. You got to speak to me in plain English and slow it down sometimes if I'm busy. Martin, yes. This is different from what we talked about. Really? How? You said this really happened. You said we were getting up at 7 to drive to Mississippi to see our family. I did? Okay. Uh, but I already got the kids up, ready to get in the car. You said 7 o'clock in the morning. Martin, do you know what time it is? No. It is 3.30. Well, I'm awake, and I do all the driving. So if y'all just get in the car, go to sleep. 
I'm driving anyway. Now, the men in the room are like, sweet, right? I'm doing the 16-hour drive. I'm going to drive 14 and a half of them. So I'm like, I'm awake. I got to use this time. And the men in the room, how many of you agree with me? <laughs> Watch this now. Women in the room, what y'all think? You agree with me? See, none of the women agree with that. It's not a matter of the difference between 3.30 and 7. It's that I gave her a plan, and now I am deviating. She's trying to figure out, shoot, how often is he going to do this? Is this getting ready to be my life? He going to tell me something and then change it? How am I going to put up with this dude? He never does what he says. And I'm like, you can't say never. I did drive us home. No, I'm not talking about you driving us home. You told us we were leaving at 7. We, now it's 3.30. Well, baby, the, the, the kids are in the back sleep. Just go to sleep. She's not going to sleep because she has to help me understand. Do this, women. We have to help you That it's not about you doing all the driving, it's that. You told us this is what the plan was. And then men, we get real good if we know God. We get a, we get, we get a look on our face like we're either meditating or consecrating. Or someone left an invisible smelly in the room. The Lord told me, Jesus visited me later tonight and told me to get up at 3.30 because there's going to be an accident in Memphis. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, <laughs> what are our morals? These are techniques. Morals are how you build your values and support your beliefs. Morals are not sin except in your house. This is a moray. This is how we live it in our family. When you go to school, do what the teacher tells you. But mom and dad, aunt, uncle, foster parent, whatever kind of family you got, I'm telling you, you don't leave the classroom until the teacher dismisses you. I know they all talk in class. You can't talk in class. Well, the, the teacher said I could. We don't care what the teacher told you you could do. We're telling you we call her Miss Smith. She told us to call her Tammy. We don't call our teachers by their first name. If she wants to talk to us, she can talk to us. But you call her Miss Smith. This is Mr. Duncan. He is not your friend. That's a more. In our house, we tell the truth when it hurts. When we know somebody's going to get mad. I'm just telling you, we might have to look down. Like, yep, I did it. <laughs> this is what happened. It's a more. We want you to make your bed. Now, 
we want you to clean your room. And we need to have this discussion about the definition of clean. Uh, because <laughs> clean to me and clean to your mama, they are not the same. <laughs> so we need to have a discussion and then set the tone. It's not exactly what she wants, not exactly what I want, but it's how the family fits together. And then there come some days you just got to shut the door. Don't even look at it. Shut the door. Oh, people said, mm -mm, no, Pastor, can't shut the door. So what are the techniques? What are the techniques? Your morals will put your family on autopilot. At least they will know when they're outside the boundaries of what we're building. Okay? Six, right? No, your plan for contingency. This is good. Really good. You're building a building. Construction people in the church, they'll buy a house. They'll get the blueprints, and they'll say, I'm going to fix this house up, and I'm going to sell it. Or someone says, this is your blueprint. Build this. You got permission to build it. Then as you're building that house, you open up a wall, and you didn't know that there was a chimney behind the wall. It's not in the blueprint. This is a contingency. We're building this building, and they're unzipping the floor to build the sewer that goes out to the street. They unzip, well, they, they saw cut the floor, pull up all the stuff, and they say, uh-oh, hate to see that when you're building. Uh-oh. Because <laughs> uh-ohs around here, is between fifteen dollars and $100,000. So when they said, uh-oh, I happened to be in the hallway, I'm like, Lord Jesus. They said, well, this pipe's too small. And I'm yelling, it ain't in here. Y'all are the professionals. We didn't know. How much is this? Well, you know, that's about $75,000 added to this. Just to... Just just, just to get, just, just to go up two inches in the pipe from six to eight. You building your family and stuff you didn't see starts to happen. You didn't even know it was there. You didn't know that there was a chimney in the wall. You didn't know that your spouse had a fertility issue. You didn't know the person you married had a psycho... Psycho... Psych you just didn't... You didn't know. And when you married him, they were in... Uh, they were in... Uh, No, they weren't in a psych ward. They, they were in remission of a sense. 
And not one incident triggers. You didn't know. You didn't know that love wasn't enough. And now they're saying to you, I just don't love you. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't love you anymore. I don't feel that anymore. That is a contingency. Losing your house that you're raising your family in to foreclosure. That is, you'd be like, that ain't in here. It just happens. One of your children just decides to go off the deep end. And one child changes the whole complexion of the family. Lose one job, that's the biggest support in the house. These are contingencies. You did not know his mama was that evil. This is a contingency. (laughs) This is real, folks. This is like for real. And can I tell you this? I don't care what you're trying to build. I don't care if you're trying to build a podunk family that does nothing, that does not impact the world, that doesn't have power, has no dominion and no hope. I don't care if you just got married just because it was the thing to do. I'm telling you that when you come and you build your family, you're going to hit some walls. All of us are. There is no perfect family. There is no family without, with, with angels. Angels don't protect your marriage like that. There's going to be some stuff that happens, and you might look at your children and just ask the, Chris, the question, are you crazy? And why would you put that on Facebook? <laughs> Come here, girl. Come here, boy. Let me show you. Let's go to the refrigerator, Dad. I don't want to go to the refrigerator. I'm big enough not to have to go to the refrigerator to see the family plan. I know what the family plan is. No, you coming to this here refrigerator. (laughs) So that we can revisit. You need a contingency plan. When your family's back against the wall, do you back up? When someone does something in the family that gives you the legal right to leave, Do you leave? Yeah, I'm talking to you. It's in the Bible. I can leave now. You've been unfaithful. Do you leave? It depends. It depends on the level of your contingency plan. When you find out that a spouse or child is hooked on Uh, drugs, prescription drugs or other drugs. You just find out. When you find out one of your children may be struggling about their identity as a person, what do you do? Do you just leave them? Hmm? 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 What happens when when, when a spouse or child has a stroke or has an illness that they say is going to last the rest of their life? What do you do? What's your contingency plan? What's your plan when something happens? Oh, Pastor, nothing's going to happen in my family. Listen, let me tell you something. 
Something is going, come on, somebody talk to me. Something is going to happen in your family. Stop playing games. If it hasn't happened, it's coming. There's going to be a day that you get in your car. You're going to set your GPS to Florida. You're going to go past where you work. <laughs> You're going to be halfway down to Council Bluffs before you even catch yourself. Talk to me. You're going to be in Kansas City, and then you're going to say, what am I doing? And you're going to answer yourself, I'm getting the hell out of here. That's what I'm doing. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> okay. Okay. I know, I know y'all don't want to talk to me today. I know you don't want to say, I know you don't want, but I'm telling you, you're going to be driving, and you're going to have to come to yourself. Your children going to call you and say, Mama, where you at? You're going to be like, I'm at Baker's. You ain't at Baker's. You done drove all the way to St. Louis by now. You're like, I don't know if I'm going to survive this. My head can't take it. It's too much for me. You're going to build a whole wall, man. You're going to build a wall in your family. You're going to build something so strong. And one day you're going to come home and some car done drove right through the wall you just built. You're going to see other families sitting under the same word. Get blessed. God opens a door for them. They're financially going through the roof. They're loving one another. And you're going to be asking, when is it our turn? When is it going to happen for us? When is there going to be breakthrough for us? How are we going to make it through what's happening? You're going to have someone you're in love with, and then God is going to allow them to die. What do you do? What is your contingency plan? I'm telling you today, you got to have something inside you that's bigger than what's going on outside of you. And you got to begin to love your family. Just as much as you love God. And stay there with your family. If we're going to eat peanut butter and jelly, we're going to eat peanut butter and jelly together. If we're going to sleep under a bridge, we're sleeping under a bridge together. I'm not running. I don't know what to do, but I'm not running. I don't know how to fix this, but I'm not running. I don't know how to make this right, but I'm not running. I may have messed up in this family, but I'm not running. I may have done the wrong thing, but I'm not running. Because I got a blueprint. I got something I saw. I saw it, Linnell. I saw it, Linnell. I saw it in my spirit. I saw it in my head. We got a plan. We can't just quit now. Forgive me for what I've done. I forgive you for what you think you've done. But we can't just drop this thing. So I'm telling you, your contingency plan is simply this. Muster your faith. Pull your faith together. What I say? I'm saying... Put your big boy pants on and get her one. 
Let's go. We don't know what's going to be falling. Y'all need the justice. I got a big head. We don't know what's going to be falling here. We don't know what we're going to be up against. There's some stuff we don't see. We don't understand it all, but we got our big boy pants on. We grown folks here. We got kids sleeping in that back room. We can't be messing up now. We can't just be running around. You can't leave me. I can't leave you. Because if we leave one another, we leave these kids. We can't give these kids to the world to eat up. Because as soon as we lose our grip on them, the world is ready for them. So if we don't stay together for one other reason, it's that we protect our kids. Sit down so, I don't, so, so, so people don't think you agree with me. Well, my kids are grown. They're old enough to take care of themselves. I fed them and I took care of them until they were old enough. Their mama going to get some money. But I'm leaving. But what about your grandchildren? Where are they going to come for Christmas? Well, they, got, they, they go to Mississippi for part. They go to, they go to, they're going to go to Colorado for Thanksgiving. Then they're going to come to Nebraska for Christmas. Ain't nobody got, no, ain't nobody got time for that. Two, two different plane tickets and... Who trying to do that? You're responsible to your children, brother, until you die. What did I say up in this church? I don't care about the church down the street. I'm talking about up in this church, men. Give me a deep. That's right, Pastor. Something. Even if you don't believe it, agree. I said agree with me. And the best way to take care of them is take care of her. Because everything they need is in her. So your contingency plan is, brother, put your pants on. Pull them over your behind. Tighten the belt up. And put on yourself a hard hat, a helmet. Because if you really messed up sometime and you go in the house, you're going to need a helmet, some shoulder pads, some knee pads, and a face guard. Lord, have mercy. Let me finish. You can take it off, babe. I know you're thinking, I want to take this off. At least it was pink. You need a project manager. Who's in charge of this? Who's leading this outfit? Whose responsibility is it to lead this family? What's your leadership? What's your family leadership structure? How do you lead it? 
Does this one person have all the power to make every decision? Do we come together and talk and then decide? Do we come together? Our plan is like this. We come together. We all discuss it. We make decisions together. If they're not life-threatening, we make decisions together. When our family's at an impasse and the family can't make a decision together, I make it. It's my job. Even when my family doesn't like it. If we don't know where we're going and we can't agree on where we're going, I say where we're going. That's my job. Last time I looked, God did not come to the garden asking for Eve. Eve, where you at? Hey, Eve, come over here. We need to talk. He called for Adam. I'm not talking. You can't rule your wife, but you better lead her. This is not a men's service. You married yet? You, oh, I know that. You better be listening to me. She's the smartest human God made. She's smarter than you. She's the most brilliant thing God ever made. And that's why she needs someone who loves her that'll care enough to lead her. Am I making, am I making sense? Who's leading? What's our leadership structure? How do we make decisions? You have that in your blueprint, and you will get to where God wants to take your family. You'll make it there. You'll live in it. You'll experience it.